I swim to earn endorphins and eat my greens because I need the fiber and the vitamins. I shoot and kill 11 wolves to barter with the skins. I do my best to clean the bath, then separate the bodies of the zombies from their faces with a crowbar or a chainsaw and make it to the water tower. Out of the flames of the jackknifed lorry lurches the overlord zombie who will not ever stop and already is upon me, gorging himself on my delicate neck. Hello and welcome to Words That Burn, a podcast about poetry. Each week I read a poem, look at its inner workings and hopefully show you what makes it tick. This week's poem is Kronos by Nick Laird. Before I begin, I have a suggestion. Try to find a copy of the poem somewhere so that you can read along. It makes things just that little bit easier. This poem is one of the shortest I've covered on the podcast so far, and that has its own challenges. I've decided to include it largely because I enjoyed it so much the first time I read it, but also, and perhaps more so, because I believe it is one of the finer examples of exactly what contemporary poetry can do. Nick Laird is a poet from Northern Ireland, specifically Tyrone. He's written an extensive amount of poetry, and this is taken from his fourth collection, Feel Free, which was published in 2018. The reason I mention this is that at the time of writing, the poet was 42. This helps us see exactly why the notion of ageing and time might preoccupy a man at such a juncture in his life. The theme of the poem is simple, man versus time. It's made clear from the title itself. Kronos is a reference to the terrifying titan and keeper of time in Greek mythology. It's also a clever nod to Laird's predecessors in the esteemed Northern Irish poetic tradition. It's widely held that Northern Irish poetry, whether as a result of its complex history or simply the vernacular used in that part of the world, is some of the most creative and linguistically inventive on the planet. Poets like Seamus Heaney, Michael Longley and Derek Mann are famed for the ways in which they use their education in the classics to fuse their works with a sense of depth, stoicism and decorum that are all at once recognisable and engaging for their reader. You'll frequently find references to Odysseus and Orpheus in their works and some would say it's a defining characteristic of the Northern Irish canon of poetry. In referencing Kronos here then, Laird shows that he respects and embraces this tradition, but that does not necessarily mean that he won't innovate and change the poetry to suit his own needs. While this poem is clearly written in couplets, I've chosen to analyse it in three distinct sections. I swim to earn endorphins and eat my greens because I need the fibre and the vitamins. I shoot and kill eleven wolves to barter with their skins. In this small section, only four lines, there are details of what Laird does to stave off the ravages of age. We see that he exercises regularly, eats well, so as to avoid any complications in the future. We are then greeted with an image of him hunting wolves, a reference to the traditionally male role of hunter-provider. The word barter here is synonymous with trade and is a way of further displaying his worth as a breadwinner. Both of these examples serve as simple illustrations of youth, vitality and strength. On the surface of things, we could simply take them as Laird's defiant words against old age, proof that he is still virile and ready to take on the world. However, if we take a closer look at the language used, this portrait of youth begins to spoil a little. 
focusing purely on the verbs in this small section, to earn endorphins, need the fiber, to barter, we see that an idea of struggle and strain begins to emerge. To earn is never a simple thing. It involves effort, dedication, commitment. His endorphins, and thus his happiness, are not some simple thing that he can experience or just take. To need means that his healthy diet is less his choice and more something he must do, perhaps out of fear of what will happen if he doesn't. Finally, to barter is the art of haggling. It is not a simple transaction. It is a trade of one thing for another. There is an element of sacrifice in every deal. From this simple scratching just beneath the surface, we see that time, or rather its embodiment in this poem, Kronos, is already wearing Laird down. These opening lines suddenly seem more oppressive, more suffocating. The notion of constriction ties in very well with Laird's own explanation of the collection. I suppose it's called feel free because I'm at that stage now, I'm 42, where you can feel a bit cramped in your life. You know, I've got young kids who take up all my time and my parents, uh, well, my mother died and my dad has been ill for a while. And so you can feel a bit unfree and I think the book tries to explore different ways and which one can sort of uh, cope with that. Uh, so there's that, there's different kinds of forms in it. There's formal poems and free verse, and um, those are also forms of freedom and constraint. So it sort of felt like the right title. I've been, it was, I've been working towards that title, I think, for the last few years, and writing poems sort of into that title, or, or that idea of freedom and constraint. So. Moving on from these opening lines, the narrative makes an odd leap into the world of video games. Laird begins to talk of zombies and his fight against them. I do my best to clean the bath, then separate the bodies of the zombies from their faces with a crowbar or a chainsaw and make it to the water tower. The language of the first couplet, I do my best to clean the bath, provides a very smooth transition from the realm of daily regiment and the domestic to the more fantastical world of video games. This shift is an interesting choice, though not uncommon in the slightest for Laird's work. Video games and modern technology are often centre stage in his poetry, famous examples being Glitch and Autocomplete. There are several reasons this analogy is an excellent choice for the theme of the poem. Firstly, video games are a symbol of his own youth, a strong and possibly formative part of his teenage years. At 42, he would have grown up at a time when such games were all the rage. In this way, symbolism becomes yet another way to avoid time's slow creep, a ward against the effects of aging, a blazing reminder that he was young once. The zombies themselves embody every fear of aging that could exist. They are the physical representation of death, the ultimate result of age. They are slow. Their minds have been lost somewhere. They shamble along. They are the weakness and frailty that accompanies each passing year. More than that, they seem to be never-ending, relentless. When playing a video game, especially one with zombies, much of your gameplay is spent dealing with this troublesome foe. In that way, they also come to literally eat your precious time. Finally, the world of video games allows Laird to heighten the violence and stakes of his poem. There are countless examples of poems written by men in their middle age, detailing how time has slowly worn them down. But now, 
Laird has a way of showing his anger and frustration towards the whole process in a unique way that does not come across as stale. The goal is made clear at the end of this section. Make it to the water tower. Evade aging. Escape time itself. Alas, Laird learns what everyone does eventually. Aging and time is inevitable. But out of the flames of the jackknife lorry lurches the overlord zombie who will not ever stop and already is upon me, gorging himself on my delicate neck. The overlord zombie here is an obvious parallel for the titular Kronos. The worlds of classical art and modernity are smashed together in these final few lines. Laird is admitting to himself, as much as the reader, that aging is inevitable. It will, quite literally, never stop. The jackknife lorry here, a blunt metaphor for stasis, an attempt to slow time's march, more importantly, a failed attempt to slow that march, as the overlord zombie keeps coming. In the first few lines, we looked at whether or not time had begun its effect on Laird. Here in these final lines, there can be no doubt. It is already upon him. He can do nothing but submit. The final line leaves any listener familiar with art history with a chilling image, gorging himself on my delicate neck. There is an invocation of two famous artworks here. The first is Peter Paul Rubens' Saturn devouring his son. Saturn being the Roman name for Kronos. This picture is a beautifully rendered, anatomically perfect depiction of Kronos' most famous story, the one in which he devours his own children. Saturn literally eats youth. The Rubens picture is a juxtaposition all its own, a beautiful figure in an angelic setting, eating what seems to be a cherub. This immaculate beauty offsets what should be an obscene and disgusting act. Therefore, it is more likely that Laird is referencing the far more notorious, harrowing depiction of Saturn devouring his son by Spanish artist Francisco Goya. Here, a much more haggard, wild-eyed Saturn devours a body. He is naked, and there is a distinct sense of something feral in his face. There is no dignity in his act. This seems to far better mirror the way that Laird sees no dignity in the passage of time, no dignity in aging. The searing piece of art is far more in keeping with the aggressive tone of Laird's lament against the passage of time. So why this poem? Why did I choose it? I think it's a wonderful infusion of the new and old of poetry. Yes, the imagery of the title is that of antiquity, the theme itself older than dirt, but Laird infuses it with something brand new and creates a form that expresses the theme itself. You'll notice that the final word of each sentence is placed in the next couplet. This removes the reader's chance to catch their breath. They are forced to constantly move through the poem. In doing this, Laird is creating a relentless, unyielding pace, directly mimicking time's march in the poem. It's the kind of innovation of form that sets poets like Nick Laird apart, for me at least. He proves that you can remain true to tradition, which is difficult to say, while finding your own voice and references. Not everyone who writes poetry needs to quote the Odyssey to make a poem. On top of that, this is a poem written from grief and frustration. He had just lost his mother and his father was ill. 
he was literally having to confront time's effects head on. It's no wonder then that his poem is infused with such anger. An anger that I feel leaps off the page. So, how did I do? Do you agree with my reading? Or am I a million miles off? I'll point out, as always, that this is my interpretation, and directly because of that, is very much up for debate. If you'd like to talk to me about it, or if you have a poem you'd like me to read on this podcast, you can get in touch in loads of places. Send me an email at wordsthatburnpodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at wordsthatburnpodcast, where I upload helpful study guides and bonus material. You can find the show notes for this episode, complete with references, at wordsthatburnpodcast.com. This episode was written and produced by me, Benjamin Colopy. The music for this week's episode was provided by Sergei Cheremizinov, and I hope I didn't butcher that name, and is used under Creative Commons license. As always, I really appreciate you spending your time with me, and if you've been enjoying this podcast so far, you can help me out in a number of ways. If you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts, please give me a review. It really does help spread the podcast around. If you're listening to me on Spotify, and you know someone who loves the poetry of Nick Laird, you can share this episode directly with them. If you're listening to me on Google Podcasts, please leave me a review. And if you feel like boosting my ego and making me feel a bit better about myself, you can just get in touch with me and tell me how much you enjoy it. That's it for me for this week, and hopefully you'll hear from me again soon.